All the episodes you will hear on this podcast are the audio versions of the video content on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel. If you would like to watch the video version of this episode, you can find a link in the show notes. For those of you who may not know, I do rely on monthly financial supporters to continue doing everything I do through this platform. If you are blessed by the resources produced through Great Light Studios and want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. With all that said, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So today, we are going to be focused on answering a handful of questions that are pretty common, common questions that we've received really over the last several years uh, from many former WMSCOG members or current WMSCOG members. Um, And so... Some of these, and especially the ones that we're going to focus here in in this first part, uh, are pretty important and something that, you know, really, as we're talking, I was talking with Edgar beforehand about how this is something we, we, I don't think we've ever done a specific video focused on addressing uh, the one of the primary or the primary question we want to talk about in this first part, which is just about what what is the gospel actually? I think this is very important, a very important topic, something that um, I know we've talked about the gospel in a lot of the videos in the past, but I just, you know, I think it's, it's we're both excited. I know Edgar and myself are both excited to get into uh, making a video that's more specifically focused on this uh, specific topic. So, uh, but I wanted to say hi to Edgar, and um, it's been a little bit since you've you've been on. So how have things been going? Yeah, things have been going great. Uh, you know, just every day, just trying to do the the best that we can, roll with the punches in life. And you know, I'm very excited to be here today. I missed you. You know, uh, we we make a good tag team. Uh, yep. And I'm I'm just happy to be here today, and I'm ready to get into the word. Yeah. Well, before we jump in, I wanted to um, just let people know that all this that I'm doing, both on the Great Light Studios channel and answering the WMSCOG channel, completely depends on people that are willing to support on a monthly basis. And so if you have any interest in uh, financially supporting Great Light Studios, myself, and continuing to do this, um, there will, as always, there's going to be links in the description of the video for how you can do that. Um, you can just go to patreon.com slash great light studios. If you want to sign up as like a monthly reoccurring supporter, but there's also, uh, information in the description about how you can just do like a one-time donation or something like that. But with that, what is the gospel? We have made a lot of videos for the past four or five years. I, I, can't ever keep straight how many years it's been since I started this, but I know it's it's kind of getting up there now. But we've, we've made a lot of videos where we've talked a lot about that the WMSCOG presents a, you know, a false gospel, quote unquote, that that the version of the gospel um, of, of, you know, that would include how we get forgiveness of sins, what what God requires of us, what it looks like to follow him, uh, how we get salvation uh, and, and so many other things wrapped up in this idea of what the gospel is. But obviously we have said and continue to say that the message the WMSCOG promotes and gives is a false one. So what, that's the question we're going to answer. What is the gospel? Actually, if we're saying the WMSCOG is wrong and, and their version of it is false, then what is the correct version of it? And so Edgar, I know this, uh, this could go a lot of different directions. And I, I think both of us probably have quite a bit to say, but I want to just give you uh, the first, you know, I'll hand the mic over to you, I guess, to kind of just open this up and share what are kind of your initial thoughts. Uh, again, keeping in mind, these are members, some of them asking in a kind of hostile way of like, oh, well, you, you're saying we're wrong. Well, you obviously can't come up with a, a, a biblical version of the gospel. And so like, you know, kind of that hostile, who are you to speak against us? It's not like you have anything else to offer kind of deal. But there's also those who are saying like, hey, I just left the WMS. I know that 
that's a load of garbage, <laughs> but I don't know what's true. And if that's not true, like what, what is the gospel even? And so there's some that are asking it in that more sincere uh, way of, of just genuinely wanting to know, you know, what does the New Testament actually, the Bible actually say about what, what, what is this good news? You know, obviously gospel, uh, it, it means, you know, good news. It's, um, it's something positive. It's something that should, you know, intrinsically, uh, be able to be distinguished as something that is good, evident, self-evidently good news that is hopeful. And, uh, uh, and so that's the question, Edgar, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Perfect. So first I want to mention, you know, what the, you know, the World Mission Society Church of God or any cult for that matter, when you ask them just about anything about, you know, certain laws, they, they can go into depth, you know, and try to pull out everything from the Old Testament to the New Testament when it comes to Passover, Sabbath, uh, law keeping rituals. But when you ask them something as simple as what is the gospel, they start to sweat a little bit. And I've noticed this when I'm talking to Mormons, when I'm talking to Seventh-day Adventists, you know, when I'm talking to Hebrew Israelites, World Mission Society Church of God members. When this question comes up, for some reason, they have so much to talk about when it comes to everything else. But when it comes to the reason why Jesus came down to this earth, the, the message of our salvation they don't have that much to say, or the answer changes with circumstance with the different mm -hmm. circumstances. When I what I mean by that is in my experience in the world Messiah Church of God, if someone was to ask me or a member, what is the gospel? Well, it depends. What prophecy are we living in right now? In in 2015, the gospel was the year of Jubilee. Another year when my mother gave a certain word, the gospel is mother. And according to their sermon book, the gospel is the Passover. I have the sermon book actually here in front of me, sermon book three, uh, chapter six. It's entitled, What is the Gospel? And if, you, if you're reading this, uh, this book, it tells you the conclusion that the gospel is the Passover. But actually, uh, there's something very funny here that uh, before we get into what is the gospel, I want to point something out that I think is very hilarious of how cults work is <laughs> the way that they built doctrines over something that has to be added into the Bible. Like the Bible, if you show them, show me a verse where it says gospel equals Passover gospel equals mother, gospel equals feast, you can't find it. So they have to find a way to twist and manipulate and add words in order to make the doctrine fit. And so when you read what is the the, uh, the subject of what is the gospel in chapter six, if you pay attention to verse um, where it says main subject, and it says it, the first verse would be Ephesians chapter three, verse four through six. Mm -hmm. It says, the, reading word for word, it says, we are workers of the gospel. Ephesians 3, verse 4 through 6, through the gospel, we become heirs, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, we are approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Romans chapter 15, verse 16, we are ministers of Christ with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. So notice these verses mention the gospel, but it does, they don't elaborate what the gospel is. And then when you go down, it says, what is the gospel? Question mark. And then it goes to Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. And it says, Paul said that he was a servant of the gospel. And then the next verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, that says, Paul also said that he was a minister of a new covenant. Now watch this. Here's the, here's the slide of him. Therefore, the gospel means the new covenant. In those verses, it does not mention that. They added that in there. 
Because when you read the Bible at face value in its context, it doesn't tell you what they're telling you. It says it's not telling you the pastor of the new covenant is the gospel. It's not telling you mother is the gospel, who's the reality of the Passover or the feast is the gospel. They have to make it say that. And so today what I want to focus on is because we've made a lot of videos where we're kind of like putting down the you know, the teachings of the church where we're refuting them with the scripture, why their teachings don't add up. But privately, you know, we, we talk to members um, about the gospel. I know I've talked to a lot of uh, members about the gospel, but this is a very important opportunity. I, I'm very excited about this because I know that the members that are watching this that are still in there, they're probably thinking in their head like, well, that's your you know, assumption that we're not true, but you haven't provided something concrete. Where in the Bible mm -hmm. does it lay out what the gospel actually is? Is there an actual place in the Bible where it lays it out? Well, from studying, I've come to realize there's it, there's one thing that the Bible doesn't leave in doubt, and that is what is the gospel. So um, let's get into let's get into this a little bit. And, um, and I want to say too, I think. I think as we kind of talked about before, like what, what I think you should see, hopefully, I think if we are, if we present what the gospel is rightly, then what you should see is that the, you know, the gospel as we understand it is like a flipping upside down of how the WMSCOG understand it. It's like they're at polar opposite ends. They're, they are completely directly contrasted uh, to each other in the nature of, of what the, the message is. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully you can kind of see that. And I hope that's the goal for members, because I think so much of your wrong thinking, so much of the, the fear driven, uh, burdensome sort of, uh, I've got to do, I've got to tithe, I got to, I've got to pass over, I've got to this and that, I got to be in Zion, like so much of that ideology that just leads you to this exhausting life that you think is just obedience. Oh, well, of course the gospel work is, is should be difficult and we're going to face trials and you'll kind of, you'll make up a, you know, that narrative to kind of cover up the inward turmoil and pain and, and, and exhaustion that you're probably going through. But at the end of the day, what I hope you see is that the version of the gospel of the good news that you've been given in the WMS is like, it's, it's a flipping upside down of what the gospel uh, really is. Yeah. So let's go to first Corinthians chapter 15. So in first Corinthians chapter 15, verse one, it says now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I passed, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul's telling you the gospel of your salvation. He says it's something that was already preached to the church of Corinth that they had already believed in. And he says he passed it on to them as a first importance. But what exactly was it? It tells you in verse 3, it says, For what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So in that scripture is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the essence of the gospel. What, mm -hmm. what is it that forgives us of our sins other than the message of the cross and what gives us hope for our salvation that we will be united with Christ after we die is the resurrection that Christ himself went through that gives us the hope that we too one day will also be resurrected, those who have faith in Jesus. So this verse lays out clearly what the gospel is, but there's more. 
And unlike the World Mission Society Church of God, who used one verse, manipulated and built their entire doctrine off that one thing, we're going to see that the gospel message stays the same and it stays consistent throughout scripture. Let's mm -hmm. stay in the book of Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Stay in Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read uh, verse 10 just to get the context. And it says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another and what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So here we can see that Apostle Paul was not sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And the gospel that he preached, he didn't preach it with wisdom and eloquence. Some people try to make their make themselves sound very wise or bring in a lot of uh, deep things, deep secrets, and, you know, have to play these mental gymnastics of add this verse plus this verse. The gospel is not that difficult, and it's laid out very clearly in scripture. Let's see what Paul is talking about here. Uh, let's read verse 17 again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that's very fascinating because as a member of the World Mission Society Church of God, you're taught that the cross is an idol. Anytime you hear the word cross in the church of God or you see a cross, you kind of <laughs> you get scared, right? Because they teach you, they brainwash you to believe anytime you hear the word cross, anytime you see the cross, that it's an evil thing. But Apostle Paul in verse 17, he calls it the cross of Christ. And he says that in the message of that the message of the cross, this is very important. Verse 18, for the message of the cross, there's a message behind it, the gospel message. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Think about that, members. The mm -hmm. message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's scary because the word of God is telling you that those who don't understand the message of the cross. Those who think that the message of the cross is foolishness or that there's no salvation in that or that that's an idol. You shouldn't think twice about the cross. It says that those people are perishing, but it says to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then if you continue to read in verse 19, it says, Let for me it is written. Go ahead, George. Sorry, but I would just before I uh, lose my thought there, because I think what that looks like practically, because what you're describing, you and I both know that when, you know, you just read First Corinthians 15, where it says, um, you know, what the gospel is. The gospel is Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised again. It's interesting, too, that part of what, you know, you could argue maybe that part of what was included in Paul's gospel proclamation regularly is he goes on then to say to give the the eyewitness testimony that also uh you know corroborated the the resurrection of jesus um that this isn't just something that you know just believe it because we're saying it it's not wishful thinking it's not well nobody really saw it but we're just 
you know, we're just going to believe, we're just going to kind of throw our brains away, throw our intellect away, our critical thinking skills and just believe something because we want to, or we've been told to, but rather he says, no, this is something that has evidence that backs it, which that would be a whole other episode that would be fun to maybe do sometime just talking about what what is the actual evidence that we have 2000 years removed from this event to still say, I, I actually believe as a literal fact of history that a Jewish man was crucified, was buried in a grave. And I believe based not only on, uh, yes, on the testimony of the apostles and the, the scriptures, but but on the testimony of history and evidence that he actually resurrected, you know, he's not in that grave anymore. And we believe this is something you don't just have to believe in, uh, uh, you know, sort of a wishful thinking kind of faith, um, faith without evidence, a leap in the dark as it were, but something that is actually grounded in, in something where you can be an intellectual person and still believe in Christianity. But, all, all, what I'm saying, though, what I'm trying to get at is that I think we both know that WMS COG members who hear that will just will will their immediate reaction because of their indoctrination will be, oh, that's just nonsense. You think that's it? Oh, it's just just believing in in Jesus's death and resurrection. It's just believing in God. Like that's that's ridiculous. That's so so simple. That's too easy. Um, and so it is. It's like you you can see, and I guess what I think you're trying to maybe encourage people to think about is. Think about what Paul is saying here. The message of the cross, when it, you know, impacts those who have this kind of hardened state of, of heart and mind, it's gonna, it's gonna impact you. It's going to appear to you as like foolish. That's gonna be your initial response. Like this is just silly. You guys are just talking nonsense. Um, but this simple message to those who by faith, trust in it, it becomes the power of God. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I just think that's a, a, an important aspect to emphasize because I know so many members will, when confronted with that, will we'll have, I think, that um, that same reaction of this is just foolish. Yeah, and and, and, it, and he elaborates a, a lot more here in uh in verse 19, let, let's read verse 18 again. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. So here Apostle Paul makes it very clear what the message of the early church was, what they actually preached is Christ crucified, death, burial, and resurrection. And if you go back, if you hold verse 23 and jump back up to verse 17, just so it makes it clear, in verse 17 it says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And then what was it that he preached in verse 23? But we preach Christ crucified. So not Passover. Gospel, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not mother God, not, not a second coming of Christ to reestablish a lost gospel. And then in your reestablishing of a gospel, a message that was lost, you present an entirely different foreign uh, concepts, uh, things so far removed from this simple message that Paul says he preached, uh, which would maybe, maybe indicate that you're reestablishing, Aung Sung Hong's reestablishing of the gospel was not a reestablishing of it, but just doing what all other cult groups do uh, is reinvent and come up with an entirely different religion, uh, which is what the WMS and groups like it do. 
it is not Christianity. It's something completely different. Um, but that, that's such a great point. Sorry to cut you off there again, <laughs> but yeah. No Paul says, we preach the gospel, verse 17. He was sent to preach the gospel. And then he says, what it is, what is that gospel that he preached? Christ crucified. And, and, and now I want to go to a verse that the World Mission Society Church of God is going to be oh so familiar with. They preach it a lot. And I'm going to show them something that they've skipped over. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 8. This is this chapter that we're about to read, this verse, they use this when they're preaching out of the sermon book one, when they're uh, preaching, I believe, chapter eight, which is be baptized immediately, which they usually baptize. They usually uh, teach to someone when they're trying to pressure them to get baptized that moment. So they go to this verse, but we're going to look at something that's very, very amazing here in um in Acts chapter 8, in verse 26, it's the story of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandik, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants from his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news or gospel about Jesus. So what we see here is in this story where Philip is sent to preach to the Ethiopian eunuch, the eunuch was reading Isaiah chapter 53. You can tell by looking at the footnote in verse 33 at the bottom. It tells you if you have an NIV, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 through 8. And what's ironic about this is that Philip began with that very passage of scripture and was able to teach someone the gospel, the good news about Jesus with that context. So mm -hmm. what context was that? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 53 and see what was being preached. What gospel was being preached? Is it different? Is it Passover? Is it, is it the feast? So what you're, maybe what you're kind of saying is that if, if you are accurate, if you're preaching the gospel accurately, if you know what it is, you, sh you should be able to do that, to communicate that with Isaiah 53. You should be able to take Isaiah 53 and say, look here, this is the good news. Do you want to know what, do you want to know what salvation is? Do you want to know how forgiveness of sins come? Do you, do you want to know how to have a restored relationship with God and to be united with him and to, to enter into the experience that the now like in in your life the experience of the kingdom of god of righteousness peace and joy manifested in your life do you want god's purposes in your life to be fulfilled do you want to be reconciled with them all these these things again that are included in what what the gospel is but i think maybe what you're saying is that you should based on what we're seeing here you should be able to take isaiah 53 sit somebody down who is new to all this and say, look, here it is. Let's just go to this Old Testament prophet 
and, and, and I can communicate to you in here what, what the good news is. It's also interesting that says it's the good news about Jesus. So at base level, whatever the gospel is, whatever the good news is that we should be preaching, not only the early church, but today, there's never a time in the New Testament where you're going you're gonna to see them say, oh, yes, but at some point the gospel is going to, the, the message of what the gospel is, it's going to transition. It's going to be altered. It's going to, it's going to shift its focus. Uh, uh, no, the gospel is about Jesus at base level. Real quick with what you were saying, Galatians chapter one, verse six tells you there's only one gospel and that if anyone preaches another gospel other than the one that was already preached during the time of the early church, let them be eternally condemned. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to go there earlier, too. So I'm glad he pointed that out. So I would just say, go go to Galatians 1 and see. He says, yeah, Paul. Well, let's just before we go to Isaiah 53. Actually, that's that's important enough just to look at real quick, because that's a big a big thing that goes very well along with what we're, we're saying here. Uh, so, again, this is this is Galatians 1. And the context here is that the church was being kind of manipulated into receiving, embracing a, a different gospel, something that was different. You know, Paul had come and he had delivered a specific sort of message of good, of a, a good news message to the Galatians. And now Paul's writing this letter to say, hey, you are diverting from the thing that I told you, the thing that I communicated to you, the thing that I delivered to you, this, this good news, this gospel you are you're you're moving away from it and so yeah i think let's let's see what he says about that and i think it starts in verse uh, six i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of christ and are turning to a different gospel so if you know you just think about what you just shared edgar in first corinthians where paul emphasizes the gospel that he preached he says this is what i preached christ crucified um and now Paul's saying, look, I delivered to you Galatians. I delivered to you a gospel. Well, what we can, I think, rightly, fairly, pretty easily assume, well, what, what gospel did Paul deliver to them? Christ crucified, <laughs> buried, and resurrected. The same gospel that he, he kind of clarifies in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and now he says, you are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And man, what what? What a line there, right? What a line there that applies. Because one of the first questions I had, it, it actually, it, it, that I wanted to respond to this question with when, when we're asking this question of what is the gospel, is just to respond to WMSCOG members and ask, is, is, is what you're being taught, is this message that you, that's been delivered to you from the WMS, is it good news? I don't think it is. I think it's pretty bad, terrible news. It's it's news that basically, you know, ultimately concludes in you never being able to do enough. Uh, you can never you no matter you can do your best, you can you can give everything you have, and still it's not enough. You have to keep giving. You have to keep sacrificing. You have to just it's like this fire that's constantly about to die, and you just are just tirelessly like you know, trying to keep that fire alive and you're just exhausting yourself to do so. Not good news. And so I just think that 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 line there <laughs> in verse seven, where he says, this is a different gospel, but it's really no gospel at all. It's really no good news at all. What you're being taught, Galatians, what you're being told, I gave you good news. I gave you something that is good. It's It brings hope and peace. But this this message that you're now being given is no good news at all. Um, and he says, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, Christ Jesus, right? They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ Jesus crucified. Uh, if you bring in another name, oh no, we don't, we don't, we don't talk now about the cross of Christ. We don't talk about Jesus even. We don't, we don't emphasize that name. And it's even idolatry now to, 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 you know, the cross is idolatry. Well, how much more clearly could you pervert the gospel of Christ that, 
that Paul and the apostles preached. And then he says in verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So Edgar, why, why in this discussion, why is that significant? What, what should members well, take from that? Well, uh, one thing that I think is very funny that I just realized while you were reading this verse is that the World Mission Society Church of God literally teach that mother is the mighty angel in Revelation 10 that comes down from heaven. They teach that Aung San Hong is the other angel in Revelation chapter 18 that comes wow. to bring people out of Babylon. And they also teach that Aung San Hong is the angel from the east in Revelation chapter 7 that puts the seal of God on the foreheads of God's people. But here, it's important to keep in mind that Aung San Hong and Zhang Gyoja preached a different gospel. And they're mm -hmm. both, according to the World Mission Society Church of God, in certain instances in the Bible are supposedly these angels. And this new revelation. New revelation that they call is old revelation, but the Bible doesn't align with it. And it's it's really new. And it says in um, in verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven itself should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That's powerful. So, yeah. And so the question is, you know, uh, and, and to reemphasize what we've already established, I think, in the text you shared in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul emphasizes what he preached, Christ crucified, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the death for our sins. Um, that's what he preached. No mention of Passover, no mention of, oh, but what that means, what this gospel actually means is that you have to keep all these feasts, you know, tithe, preach be in Zion all this, this time uh, and all these other things that come with it. Well, Paul doesn't mention those things. Um, and so the question should be what Paul preaches. Can you, can you members think about this? If you're a member watching this and I hope you are watching this, I know some of this will be difficult to listen to, uh, but what Paul preached, the things that Paul explicitly articulates uh, as 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 what the gospel is, what it means, uh, is it the same? Can you look at what Paul said and say, "Oh yeah, that's that's what we're preaching." Yeah, what Paul what Paul preached. Paul says he preached Christ crucified, and that there's no other gospel than that. Oh yeah, that's that's what we preach in the WMSCOG. It's the same message. Can you honestly say that? No, you can't. There's there's no possible way you can say that. Uh, uh, you, you, you not only do not preach the cross of Christ, you do not emphasize that at all. While that was Paul's entire emphasis, according to his own words, you, you, you completely remove the name of Jesus and put in a different name, a different person as the, the focus, the central focus uh, of your message. And so you are. By definition, the WMCOG is clearly preaching a gospel that is different than the one Paul preached. And not based on what we're saying, but based on what Paul says, he says, whoever does that, let them be accursed, uh, anathema. Uh, yes, st strong language of condemnation for anybody who will say, oh, yeah, you might have heard this. You might have heard this message from Paul or, or in modern times. You might have heard this from the churches you've been in that you should you should focus on the cross of Christ and Jesus, the name of Jesus. But let me tell you something. There's this new revelation that was lost in the church. And actually, you need to put your faith in the name of Aung San Hong and, and, and God the Mother. You need to keep Passover. Well, that is 
that's doing what Paul explicitly says here not to do. And, and again, he says to those who are doing that, let them be accursed. Now, we left off in, in Isaiah chapter 53, where it's another verse confirming the same thing. And we're seeing the pattern here. Over throughout the whole scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, the message of the gospel is the same. It's consistent. We don't need to add anything to it. We're not taking away from it. It's just cut clear and dry. And so when we looked at Acts chapter 8, Philip was reading from the uh, Isaiah chapter 53. That was the scroll that he was preaching the good news about Jesus. He was preaching the gospel to this eunuch with Isaiah chapter 53. Well, let's see what's in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. It says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. So we can see clearly here in Isaiah chapter 53, this is a prophecy of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel. With this message, we can see, we can hear the good news in it. It says, that we, he was crushed for our iniquities, for our transgressions. He was pierced. And it says, by his wounds, we are healed. So this is the passage that the eunuch was reading when the gospel was being preached to him. Now, when he accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, when he understood what the gospel was, his heart was burning. There was a change of heart. And look at the difference between when we use this study to force someone. We use Acts chapter 8 as a World Mission Society Church of God member. We use this verse to force someone to get baptized. <laughs> look at the difference in the story. Go back to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we look at verse uh, 32, and it says, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. 
Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But if this is World Mission Society Church of God, it would be the other way around. The, the, yeah. the Philip would have to tell the eunuch, hey, you need to get into that water right now and get baptized. Wait, I want. I, I don't fully understand. I want to. I want to study more. No, don't. Well, what if you go out of here? And, what if you go out of here and get in a car wreck? Or, or what if? What if you get yeah. you know mugged and shot in the street? You know. <laughs> you know. You need to just do it. Do it now. You know. It's it's the yeah. pressure. It's like the they are the ones pressuring, like, and it's like rather than you know, like, like Philip, uh, or, or like the eunuch, the burning heart of just desire, like, Oh, I see now I understand. And because of that, I want to get baptized. Like I, I want to be a part of this. I want to give my life to this rather than that. It's like a burning in the heart of fear and dread of what will happen if I don't. It's like, Oh, well, this person's saying the end of the world might come and, Oh yeah. Well, what if I do get in a car wreck and then I end up in hell? It's like, well, where's, Where's that sort of pressure in Acts, Acts 8? It's the eunuch. The eunuch's, it was the eunuch's idea to get baptized. Uh, he was the one putting the pressure on. I want to do this. Uh, yeah. What a contrast there. Yeah. And what you see is that the true gospel of Christ doesn't need anything fancy. It doesn't need sleight of hand. It's powerful enough to convict your heart to want mm -hmm. to follow Jesus Christ, to get yeah. baptized, to want to do what Jesus asked us to do. It doesn't need to be forced upon us. That's very and, different to the World Missionary Church of God. Yeah, it's like this, that change of heart took place. It's, it's like the, the faith, I think, was, was rising up in the eunuch as he just heard the simple message of this humble man. He didn't even realize who it was, but who was, who was, favorable in the eyes of God and willing to take on, you know, the punishment of, of our sins. He took suffering on himself. And, uh, and that, that simple message of grace and love, it just, it, it, it produces in you this realization of, Oh, God is, God is different than what I thought. Like th this, what he wants for me is, is different. Like he's not looking for me to go out and do something to accomplish something for him first so that then I can, you know, get this acceptance. He's actually done everything for me. And now all he does is he's, he's inviting me to just receive that and partake in that. And, and that just produces this change. But I think as, as you're reading, you know, going back to first Corinthians um, 15, I just want to look at this real quick again, because um Comparing that to what you just read in Isaiah. So again, you have in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 3, for what I received, I pass on to you of, uh, as a first importance. And again, in ver uh, verse 2, he's talking about this gospel that he delivered, uh, that he, the gospel that I, I preached to you, Corinthians. And now he says, for what I received, I passed on to you. So he's talking about the gospel. And here it is. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Well, can we, uh, can we find that? Let's go back. Isaiah 53. Verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. Uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. Uh, the bottom of verse six says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Um, and then let me see, where was it? If we go down in verse nine, it goes on and it says he was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. So here we have, as Paul says in first Corinthians 15, uh, what the gospel was. Paul says the gospel was that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Well, we see that, you know, communicated multiple times. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. By his wounds, we are healed. And then Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 to say, uh, you know, the next part of the gospel, if you will, in verse four, that he was buried. And so Isaiah 53, 
verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the history, uh, Jesus was um, Joseph of Arimathea, a, a rather wealthy uh, uh, Jew, gave his his own personal grave to Jesus. Uh, so, you know, most people were not given the, the sort of burial that Jesus was. You had to have money to be given the sort of grave that Jesus ultimately was buried in. And we have that, you know, hundreds of years before predicted by Isaiah, who says that this, this Messiah, this suffering servant would be buried, um, assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, given a rich man's grave as he was. Um, and then finally, in 1 Corinthians 15, let me just pull that up. This is, um, and, then, and then, sorry, Edgar, then I'll give it back to you. But um, the last part that Paul talks about in the gospel. So he died for our sins. We see that in Isaiah 53. He was buried. Oops. He was buried, verse 4. And then, and that he was raised, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Death burial, resurrection. Do we see all those things in Isaiah 53? Well, let's go back real quick. There should, uh, I don't know why it's not letting me keep these all up at the same time. I keep having to switch back and forth, but we'll make do. Okay, so let's, let's go down in verse 10. Um, it says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Wait a minute. If you're assigned a grave, if you're beaten, tortured, brutalized, and put in a grave, what in the world does that mean? That he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand? After he, will, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied? By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Uh, man, there's so there's so much <laughs> there's so much here, but this is this is the resurrection. It's like the suffering servant, after his obedient, humble giving of himself for us. Philippians uh, two, though he existed, though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to grasp or or I think meaning something to cling on to. He was willing to, even though he had this position of prominence in equality with God, way above us, he was willing to say, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to humble myself and take the form of a human servant. And I'm going to give my life as an offering. I'm going to suffer. And, and, and again, after he has suffered, verse 11, he will see the light of life. Well, that's the resurrection. That is that is the this final kind of part in 1 Corinthians 15 of Paul's gospel message that Christ will not the story doesn't end with Christ in the grave. That's that's kind of the beginning. Uh because now there's a resurrection and and 3 days later that suffering servant was no longer in that grave. Um and again, it'd be, man, it'd be fun someday, uh, hopefully soon, to like get into actually some of the like. This isn't just some fairy tale. I don't believe this is something that, you know. Again, you can be an intellectual person, and you know, you can dive into the history and archaeology and and all these different scientific fields, and 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 compare that to scripture, and you can you can come away with a valid, rational, reasonable. Uh, 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 you know, reasoning to say, I, I actually believe this is true. I actually, I believe as a, again, as a historical fact that Jesus, you know, walked out of that grave. He was no, he rose from the dead. And, and so it's just what a, yeah, that's such a cool parallel that you just see Isaiah 53, every point of what Paul said was his gospel message. You see um, communicated in, um, in this chapter and which, which kind of brings us back to that idea that brought us into it of, of that you should, if you have the right gospel message, 
You should be able to go to Isaiah 53. You know, you guys bringing people into the WMS, if you want to really give them the truth, if your desire, your goal is to really point them toward God, the truth of the Bible, you should be able to take Isaiah 53 and say, here it is. This, this is it. This is, this is the message of, this is the good news that God has given to mankind. Will you receive it? Will you embrace it? And if you, that's a different message though, is it not, Edgar? A completely different message. Is, Is Isaiah 53, the story being told there, the good news being delivered there, being communicated there, is that a story? Is that news that the WMSCOG is offering to to new members or or longtime members? No, they, they when they talk about the crucifixion, they do mention it. They mention it a lot, but not in the context of salvation whatsoever. They use it when they want to piggyback off of it to talk about Passover, when they want to use it to say that through the cross, uh, Jesus fulfilled all the feasts. They use it when they want to say that Ansan Home also was spiritually crucified and that mother was spiritually crucified, which I think is just a, a slap to the face because what an insult. How could you compare what these people did? You know what I mean? To the life that Jesus lived, what he went through, like there's no comparison. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a totally different gospel, totally different. And, you know, you can mention the cross, but if you're if you don't see the cross itself as the power of God or as Apostle Paul said in uh, First Corinthians chapter one, where he says, uh, let me go to it. I don't want to. uh, I don't want to distort the scripture. Um, in First Corinthians chapter one, verse seventeen, he says, "For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power." I think that's very significant. That he's making the point to say the gospel message of the the cross, what Jesus accomplished on there through his death, burial, and resurrection, it's enough. I don't need to ruin it. I don't need to add anything to it. God forbid, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. But yet you have these groups who have to add thousands of different things and say, you know, it's just total contradiction to what the Bible says. Because, because it's foolishness. What you just said, you just said it's enough. It doesn't need anything added to it. Well, that's, it doesn't seem like enough. And, you know, obviously to the Jews of the day, the idea that a, that somehow a, a, a man being brutally tortured in the most horrible way, that, that that's somehow there's power in that. There's power in, in you know, what the most clear demonstration of, of weakness seemingly uh, and being, you know, acted upon evil men uh in 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 judgment and court and then by being you know just physically your body destroyed and overpowered and then ultimately your life brought to an end being surrounded by people mocking you and and um and even close friends betraying you and that's that's the power of God. That's foolishness, you know, to it, it, it's just. And so I think that's kind of what you're conveying there in that, you know, that then you have groups like the WMS COG that say, no, there's, there's something more though. Like the actual, you know, the real truth that you need to know and need to believe in. Well, well, that was lost in church history and in the dark ages. And, and so we needed somebody to come back and kind of reestablish it. And again, the reestablishing that takes place is something completely different and foreign to to any of this that we're seeing. Um, but that comes back to this idea that to those who have that that resistance, that hardened state of mind uh, uh, to God, this message that God has to give, and He doesn't have another one. His message is here: This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. That's what God has to give us. That's what he's saying. You know, that's what I think goes, goes into this idea in John 
where it, it talks about how Jesus is the word of God. You know, you think about, well, what does that mean? He's the word. Well, he, he's, he is the Jesus and, and who he was and what he did is the most clear um, articulation uh, of God uh, to humanity. It's, it's what God, what God has to say. It's God's word to humanity. It's what God has to, what God wants to communicate to us. God has spoken a word and said, here it is. This is the message. This is my word, my son, who he is, what he did. Isaiah 53. What will you do with that? Some see it as foolish and feel the need to add many, many things to it that ultimately going back to Galatians one, pervert it, twist it, manipulate it, distort it, make it completely different than what it actually is to where then you have to say like Paul, yeah, they're preaching a quote unquote gospel, but it's really no gospel at all. Thank you for listening to the Great Light Studios podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, you can find links in the show notes of this episode. If you are blessed by the resources produced through Great Light Studios and want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. 